It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We often talk about the national debt and deficit spending. And of course, whoever's currently the occupant of the White House tends to get most of the blame for whatever the national debt uh, ticker says at the moment. Uh, But how much of it goes beyond that uh, in our effort to be equal opportunity offenders here? uh, We know that it goes way beyond just the current occupant. And we have to look at it uh, in a little broader perspective. And to help us do that today, Brian Riedel, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, is joining us as a great piece. And this time looking at what the previous president, Donald Trump, uh, did to add to the national debt and how that compares with some of the other presidents. Uh, this is always such an interesting thing. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us. And uh, what's, what is the official tally uh, when you look at the Trump administration? Uh, well, the tally is a lot of debt. Uh, Trump called himself the king of debt. He did promise to pay off the entire national debt in eight years. That really didn't happen. Um, when he was elected, the baseline budget estimate, which is the if you kept government running on autopilot, was $10 trillion in deficits over 10 years. By the time he left office, that same 10-year period was now looking at $13.9 trillion over 10 years in deficits. So the effect of the Trump administration is that the deficits over that period rose by $3.9 trillion. Now, the way to disaggregate this is we actually saved about $4 trillion from automatic things that, that, that cut deficits like low interest rates on, on the national debt fell and economic growth rose. And that saved $4 trillion off the projection before we did anything. But what happened was President Trump enacted $8 trillion in tax cuts and spending increases. And so the net effect was if you, take, if you have $8 trillion in new initiatives, but you save $4 trillion from economic growth and low interest rates, you get an extra $4 trillion in costs. And that's how we ended up projected at $10 trillion, but ending up at 13.9. Wow. Uh, and that is, I think, one of the hardest things for, uh, for both sides of the aisle is uh, regardless of what happens, everyone likes to spend a little more on whatever their particular uh, you know, pet project is or whatever they promised on the campaign trail. Give us some perspective, Brian, and uh, comparative uh, in terms of looking at uh, President Obama and, uh, and President Bush? Well, it, it, different presidents inherit different situations. And, and so I want to preface it by, by, by saying you don't always want to judge by pure numbers. But pre- so President Trump added just under $8 trillion in legislation over four years. Compared to that, President Obama added $5 trillion and President Bush added $6.9 trillion in legislation over eight years. So President Trump added more legislative deficits in four years than Obama and Trump did in eight years. Now, people will come back and say a good portion of that, uh, of, of, pre- 
President Trump's debt was the pandemic, which everyone agreed was a once in a century thing and it was bipartisan, and that's totally fair. Um, similarly, you know, President Bush had the war on terrorism. Um, you know, President Obama had, had a challenge recovering from a recession. I, you know, obviously, people can judge whether or not this deficit was justified, but it was more deficits in four years through legislation than Obama and Bush even did in eight years. Yeah, so if you look at all of the uh, the spending items, uh, I think one of the things we have to, to factor in, I think presidents get way more credit uh, when things are good than they deserve and way more blame when things go bad than they probably deserve. Uh, but as you look at that, how much of this is really tied up in things that are actually sort of beyond the president's control? How much of this falls at the feet of Congress? I mean, well, this is the challenge judging presidents. Like I said, President Trump inherited a $10 trillion deficit over 10 years. And so, you know, when, if you just judge Trump and say, well, the deficits were bigger under Trump than other presidents, well, he inherited a government that was running on autopilot with $10 trillion in projected deficits. So it's kind of unfair to compare him to, say, President Bush, who, when he was elected, we were running surpluses on autopilot. Right. Um, additionally, you know, you get about two or three trillion dollars in gains or losses based on things like the economy growing faster or interest rates or more people signing up for Social Security or health care costs rising. Presidents don't control that either. Um, so that's two factors the president doesn't really control. The only thing the president can really control is legislation. And even then, the president can only sign what Congress passes the pre- and, and the president can even be overridden if, if he vetoes something. And so I think whenever we're judging the deficit by president, if you go on social media, you'll see these little memes that say we have higher deficits under this president than that president. And it's really misleading when you take a look at how little of the budget deficit the president can control, extremely little. Um, and that's why I prefer to measure by legislation rather than overall deficit. And even then, like I said, you're limited to what Congress will do. If Congress won't pass your spending savings, there's nothing the president can do. Wow. Yeah, it is. It, it gets real complicated. Uh, and, and yet we, we have to come back to these conversations of where are we on the debt <laughs> uh, as we blow past uh, $30 trillion and as we look at continued uh, deficit spending year after year. Uh, what are the things that we should be looking to the president to either drive or influence uh, as it relates to spending and really dealing with that national debt and deficit spending? Well, one thing that makes me nervous is if you measure the same way, President Biden has already added about $4 trillion to the 10-year deficit through the American Rescue Plan, infrastructure, and discretionary spending increases. The deficit is dropping this year, but that was already part of the baseline because the pandemic spending expired on schedule. That was always going to happen. The president doesn't get credit for just letting pandemic spending expire. What really matters is that the 10-year deficit is going to be $4 trillion bigger because of the American Rescue Plan infrastructure and discretionary spending hikes. And what we need to do looking forward is take a look at all of this spending that's getting enacted, as well as the spending in the baseline, primarily deficits that are driven by the shortfalls in the Social Security and Medicare programs. Um, About 90% of rising deficits over the next 10 to 20 years are going to result from Social Security and Medicare 
running huge deficits, even when you adjust for what everyone paid into the system, um, they, they are going to run very large deficits. And there's really no way to get the deficit under control unless that's looked at. Yeah. And so if, if we close it out and uh, look ahead, uh, so what is there on the horizon, both in terms of what the president may be pushing for or what Congress may be willing to to do or not do uh, between now and uh, the midterms, uh, anything that's going to really impact and drive those numbers? Well, I think we have to worry about uh, uh, the president spending more money. The president uh, is still pushing build, a Build Back Better proposal that, you know, he says would cost about $2 trillion, but in reality would cost closer to $5 trillion when the programs are extended over 10 years. We're already facing budget deficits that are projected to go to $2.5 trillion per year by the end of the decade, and that's with peace and prosperity. $2.5 trillion deficits, not during a pandemic, but during good times. The president's looking at Build Back Better. That would push those deficits well over $3 trillion. And so, you know, I would love to see Congress actually restrain spending, but really, I'm just playing defense these days. <laughs> I'm just trying to get, I'm, I'm just trying to get the president and Congress not to continually make it worse. And the, the president also wants about another 10 percent increase in discretionary spending above the 10 percent increase last year. That's just going to again push those deficits back up over three trillion dollars a year, even during good times. Wow. Brian Riedel, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, always gives us great insight on all of this. And, uh, again, it's important to look at all the perspectives on this one. Uh, Brian, thanks for weighing in today. Thank you very much. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. That's just a lot of money, folks. And we got to change the game, which means we got to change the conversation. We'll do that. Stay with us. Coming up next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.